and welcome to another rip-roaring edition of the AEW News Kick. The weekly AEW News Kick. I've forgotten the name of our podcast. I'm keeping that in. Show how incompetent I am. Um, so incompetent, I don't deserve to take the mickey out of my co-star, this uh, co-host, with stars now. I've started this really badly, Jack. I'm not going to lie to you. Come on in. Get in here. It's been a while, hasn't it? It's been a while since we've done an episode. That's why I think... I was about to say we're going to find our stride again, but I'm going on holiday next week, so God knows what's going to happen. But for at least this week, um, we're going to try and produce some content, whether it'll be listenable or not, is, you know, up to the listeners to decide. Also, though, I think since we last published an episode, we have a big celebration. Um, We have... Actually, I'm not going to... Oh, no, because you're going to tell me to not count how many listens we had. That's all right. You that for. No, you know what? Let's gloat. Let's gloat. I'm happy with it. Over a thousand plays now of all time. Actually, I'm going to get the official figure. Um, but we want to thank all our listeners, um, even though you don't like to talk to us on social media because we get no messages. We know you're out there. So There's someone listening. So, so lonely. I know. It is lonely. Um, make sure you get over there, you know? It's, we do... We are... I was about to say we are active on our socials. Not really. But... We we notice you when you when you're there, um, even though you've not been there yet. But this is Jack, a shambles. Um, Jack Jack can confirm I'm holding a puppy right now that I will kill if you don't message us on social media. <laughs> That's what it's come to. Um, Plays. We, we try we try we try to play nice, bribing you with Antonio Gogo show. We're getting serious now. <laughs> <laughs> um, plays 1021 plays of all time on all our episodes so round of applause thank you to us thank you, um, thank you to our listeners you know it's taken us eight nine months to build that but you know we couldn't have done it without you guys so thank you very much and for as long as you want to listen to us we will continue to make content I probably could have done it without you to be fair but not not the listeners I, to be fair, I, yeah, I think this, if anything, I think the podcast would be better without me. But <laughs> nonetheless, I've got nothing else to do on a Thursday evening and you've got no one else to do this with, so hence why we're together. So, uh, well, I guess we'll talk about All Out first, since we haven't recorded an All Out special. We haven't recorded for a couple of weeks, actually. Or we did record, but they just didn't get up. So, um, what do you think of All Out, Jack? Wow. Just wow. wow. I mean, I've listened to a podcast um, about it. And, yeah, I mean, not that I needed to listen to podcasts to get my own opinion, you but... Just, can you just form your own opinions for once, please? <laughs> well, Jack, doesn't, Jack doesn't watch matches unless they've got over... Well, non-AEW matches unless they've got over a certain cage match score. <laughs> or grades, grades from... Honestly, uh, I don't know why that's a bad thing. You guys just have to watch dog shit, whereas I can just avoid the shit and just watch <laughs> the good stuff. I'm happy with myself. I've got little time. But you've got a podcast where we talk about these things on less important shows. I'm sick of being critical of a show you like didn't bloody However, the mo- most recent <laughs> times, I've been like, oh, have you watched this event? You're like, no, I've not watched it yet. So I've been the one watching it. So, I mean... All out. All out. All out. Um, I mean, I'm just going to go straight up and say it. Probably best AEW pay-per-view so far. I, however, I don't think that's because of the matches. I think that's more because of the... I think the overall presentation was the best they've done so far. That's a good way of putting it, overall presentation. But there is something to be said for the matches. Obviously, that, that cage match. Oh. I... Would I say... Actually, I want to go on to... Um, what's the website called where they rank all the AW matches? Um, because, obviously, the best AW match ever so far, tag match, sorry, was the Hangman, Kenny, and Bucks. And I want to see whether... It's cage match again. Uh, no, I'm on the Internet Wrestling Database, uh, IWD. Okay. Um, they have them equally... Actually, not equally. One more about... Uh, no, they haven't done the rating yet, so it's soon to be announced. So far, um, Dave Meltzer rated, obviously, the... 
Yeah, the AW Revolution match between them two, that was a six. So, um, I'd... Would you say I don't, I, I don't think it was quite as good as their Revolution match. I do think it's the best match this year, though. Yeah, I think that's probably a safe bet. I think, yeah. Um, yeah, I probably would say that, actually. It's it's tricky because there has been a good, I think it's been quite a good year. But um, the thing is, the thing is, this match um, is a perfect example of a really good spot fest. But, yeah, you but know, I think um, the stipulation helped. I think that's why I'd probably still say Adam Page and uh, sorry Hangman and Kenny. Well, his uh, name is Adam. I know, I know, I know. It's because I was looking at going under Adam and not Hangman. But I think that that match was better just because it was it was an all round better just a whole tag team well, match there, was more, there was more storytelling in that as yeah, well yeah yeah but um, this was I mean match and night um, the you know I just thought it was insane I, I really thoroughly enjoyed it it was yeah like I said my favourite um, I I predicted Bucks to still win but using the logic that obviously Tom throws my way when watching together someone was going to lose a belt tonight and it had to be um, Bucks and when you take it like that I mean yeah, I, I was surprised, but I'm well happy because I always like seeing the titles change hand. I, I don't obviously want to see like WWE titles change hand like so regularly, but um, I always Hot get. Well, uh, yeah, I could. I always dream book in my head who I want to hold the title, and Lucha Bros have been worthy, you know, title contenders um, since the birth of AW. So it's been long, long overdue, and I just hope they have a good reign. I kind of hope, in a way. That the Bucks are the ones to take it back whilst this whole storyline is still going with them. Um, hopefully not for a while. But it'll be interesting. What do you reckon? Do you reckon Lucha Bros be long, long reign, short reign? I don't think there'll be a short reign because I think they've had this coming for a while, um, and and they're going to want to AEW are going to want to reward their loyalty. Um, I I don't think necessarily that the Bucks will be the ones to win it straight back. I, I, I'd like it to be them too but there's so many people they need to put it on and Jurassic Express in particular are gaining a load of momentum this year Yeah. and it's like when are they going to put it on them unless you know it, for me it's either put the tag titles on them soon or put a singles title on Jungle Boy which would be the TNT title um, because they've got to cash in on this what they've got going on right here you know he's he's got a either reach a point where he gets a title or they get a title or it kind of plateaus do you know what I mean and with that then who what do you reckon next titles to go because I've got a spreadsheet where I keep in track of them and that and obviously the the one that's that the Bucks and the tag titles was the longest reign and now it's Kenny do you reckon Kenny is the next one to drop it and if so I was about to say who too but I think we all kind of know if he's going to drop it who it's going to be dropped to well that's the thing I don't think Kenny's making it into 2022 as champion so I can see Hangman taking him off him at full gear um, after a big return oh, that but, would be almost a year which is I've found probably yeah. the longest reigning I'm not sure anyone's safe though right now um, I feel like it'd be too soon to take it off Britt Baker but then I don't know how this match with Ruby Soho is going to go down because they can't kill her momentum so that's an interesting one for me um, the TNT title, I uh, I don't necessarily think Miro is safe as long as they can give him a um, a credible opponent. And it looks like they're continuing the thing with Eddie Kingston. So it's like, are they just going to bury Eddie Kingston by having him take loss after loss? Or I think Eddie gonna, could be the next one he, to take it. Yeah, or is he going to pull out like a ridiculous... Like, because it would be an upset because people are expecting really long reigns. But I do think, I do think Miro has been so dominant in in what is I suppose a relatively short reign for AEW that they could um, have 
Kingston win it and it'd be a surprise it'd be a surprise because people wouldn't expect him to lose it this soon and yet I'd still be able to look back on Miro's reign as a really dominant reign well I think we need even though it was relatively short yeah I think we need a title change at the Arthur Ashe show and I think if it's going to be any I think it'll be Miro because I think it's New York as well and I think that's where they do it um Obviously, we'll talk about it later on the show when we do. So yeah, let's say TNT title probably next to change. Yeah, yeah. Then the then the men's. uh, I don't think Ruby Soho will win, but I think there'll be something that happens in the match that won't bury her. Shenanigans. Yeah, I I think so. And you know, I think Kenny's going to be full gear with Hangman. I think. Oh. Sorry. I was going to say, well, I, was just, I don't want to cut you off. So No, I was just about to say, obviously, you know, we're, again, we'll discuss it in Dynamite Review, but things blown off with Dark Order. I think when he comes back, that will fix them issues just before they implode. And um, it'll be the run up to, you know, full gear. And I think that's when. And it's it'll be, you know, it'll be cool. Um, it'll be cool to see that. And uh, it'll be interesting to see the storyline that will unfold. Would you then get the, I know me and you have talked in our own time, the um, Adam Cole taking over the Elite and Kenny falling out of that because he's lost the title. But then, you know, it, it, it's all interesting. We love talking about it. Um, there is, I mean, there's another, there's, another, there's another wrestler that could be free of a contract in January that could be involved in that really quite um, realistically and quite books itself. But we'll talk about that in less important shows. We will do. Uh, just for a last word on All Out because you gave your opinion I hadn't given mine um, yeah it is easily the best AEW pay-per-view um, it does seem to have immediately gone into the wrestling history books as um, an all-time contender I think it's the ninth uh, highest rated one on Cage Match now the highest rated show. yeah when we looked just after it it's, above, it's after, above Wrestlemania 17 it was 6 but I think as the ratings have gone in it's gone to 9 which is where it seems to have levelled off now but yeah, yeah. No, and that, that's too right really it's the best AEW pay-per-view um, rating. I know it's not the best. It's AW higher rating. than any any WWE one on there as well. The only ones beating it are um, well, uh, no, well, no, no. I say it's the highest AW. It's the highest AW pay per view. Number one is um, an independent one. It was Hannah Kimura's Memorial Show from this year. Um, number two was Brody Lee's uh, Memorial Dynamite. Yep. Um, so they they have obviously they do ha- hold the number two spot, but that was a dynamite. And then all the rest, I'm pretty sure, uh, are New Japan until now. Yeah, like G ones um, and stuff. G- yeah. yeah, a really good G one and um, a rest- you know a couple of Wrestle Kingdoms. So that's yeah, no, cool. Um, well, well done, AEW. Look forward to the next one. Let's keep the momentum. Like it's cool to finally be taken seriously now. AEW is a company. I think. No, not that they weren't anyway but you know more eyes um, it's nice to see on Reddit every week seeing people you know posting and saying oh this is my first AEW pay for you this is my first AEW it's attracting so many yeah. people right now um, it's so good and it's only going to keep on rising I think you know there's there's plenty we've got the names now do you know what I mean we've got like I, I put in our wrestling chat I was counting 88 names registered on the AEW site in the men's roster I think it was 26 Females, so you know it's getting good, um, building up some good names, and now it's time to let's work on the storyline element. Let's work on that, and you know we don't need a bigger roster now. I don't think it'd be nice to, as we'll discuss in less and more shows, get a couple of extra people just to kind of for long-term storyline purposes. But I don't think there's anyone really now that will come in um, that's realistic that will immediately, you know, change the game as much as what's happened over the past month. 
No, nobody will change unless I mean, yeah, like you say, realistically, unless, unless rock- forbidden door stuff happens, which yeah, that'd be the only thing that'd be like. But that, to, to me, that's not going to even if Kazuchika Okada appears or Kota Ibushi, which I thoroughly believe both of them will at some point. Um, I don't think it's going to, or Will Ospreay for that matter, because uh, he's already in America. I don't think that's going to attract any more casual viewers than have already been attracted through no. CM Punk and Darby Allen. Uh, Darby Allen, sorry. I don't know what I'm saying, Darby Allen. D- Brian Danielson. And Adam Cole, got, I guess, as well. And Adam Cole, yeah, correct. But, you know, Punk and Brian were the big ones. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, right, do you want to talk about Dynamite? Let's do it, bro. So, we started Dynamite with Malachi Black versus Dustin Rhodes. No Excalibur tonight, Jack. Um, did they? It sounded like he was sick at the beginning, but then later on they said he, like, he was getting married or something. Yeah, I'm not too sure what that was all about. Um, but, you know, I mean, he does quite a lot anyway. So, you know, just have a rest in general would be I do, you know, worthwhile. I don't think he was missed in this one, but uh, I do, this yeah. episode. But, there was uh, not as much play-by-play, was there? That's the thing. And during this first... So, initially, I thought Tony was going to do the play-by-play because he was given... I say given, stumbling through the recap of uh, people Malachi Black has defeated um, mm. at the beginning of this. And I thought, okay, so he's going to do play-by-play. And then he didn't. And then Taz came in and did and did a little bit of play-by-play during the first match, but then, then didn't do any from then on, really. It just fizzled out, didn't it? It did. It was like he started trying to do it and then just gave up. Uh, and it's weird that Taz was the one that even attempted to do it because out of all three guys on that announce desk, he's the only one that hasn't regularly done play-by-play before. He was always a colour commentator. Mm. Whereas the other guys, Jim Ross was uh, play-by-play and King was colour commentator during the Attitude Era. And um, Tony Schiavone was play-by-play with like Bobby Heenan on WCW pay-per-views and stuff. So it's really odd to me that like neither of them went... Yeah, fuck it, I'll do it. And then Taz like just desperately tried to do some play-by-play, but then ended up not doing it, and we had pretty much an entire Dynamite without any moves really being called. Just like, oh, he flipped him, or oh, yeah. what a big slam that was. Like, yeah. you know. It was it was a weird one, for sure. It was. Weird commentary, but, you know, um, it just, just goes to show why... Uh, you know, we rate Excalibur how we do, why he's kind of essential, and why he's on literally all um, AEW. Um you know products he's on he's on dynamite he's on rampage he's on is he on dark still with taz yeah he does he does three three out of the four doesn't he yeah who's on who's dark elevation tony and paul white see i'd have to listen to that see i'll tell you if tony shivani actually does play by play on that or because it'd be weird why he didn't during dynamite but anyway it's uh well quite early on there was a big back suplex from malachi black through the timekeeper stable that was pretty dope yeah, I must yeah. Have I mean, new for an, for an opinion on that. <laughs> no, it, it was it was dope. It was dope. Um, yeah, we, compared to WWE, we don't see as much table spots, which is nice. Um, WWE just kind of just packs us with so many um, that it's so annoying. But now nah, this was this was you know it was cool to see and you know this kind of storyline in general with Malachi Black going through the Nightmare Family. Obviously, they revealed later on in the night, which I was a bit annoyed with how they revealed it, but. Our fresh stadium, we're getting Malachi Black versus Cody too. Um, I, for one, would prefer Cody to maybe come out either at the end of this match or something, or you know, to like yeah, return, return like, Big Pop, and then do it that way instead of just being like, oh, he's going to be back up because it kind of just feel like. But why? Like, I we know why, but you know, it, it's like, it's like, of course we're not stupid. We know where you're going with this, but at the same time, don't just 
pussyfoot around and treat us as the smart guys we know we are you know in a, it's, it's weird to just wrestling fans because we don't want to be treated as idiots but we also don't want them to treat us like we think how smart we think we are do you know what I mean yeah um, you still want to you still want to be worked a little bit that's it, the, I'll tell you what it's like this is Jack's metaphor of the week as Jack does this storyline and how they announced it is the equivalent of when you do you do a dot to dot to dot and within the first couple of dots you already know what the end product's going to be so then you just stop the dot to dot and you're like oh it's a dinosaur it's like we know it's a dinosaur but join the dots up to make it the complete dinosaur do you do a lot of dot to dots? I don't. Uh, Georgina likes her dot to dots. Um, I, I, <laughs> I bought uh, what's it Christmas? This like big book of like all these landscapes as dot to dots. It's pretty cool, like New York landscape, like London. It was really cool. Um, dot to dots are class. They're not just a child's puzzle. <laughs> they're very therapeutic. Well, not. A, they're not a challenging puzzle. They're not. <laughs> they're not that's why we I mean, call like, them a puzzle. Really. They're, they're therapeutic though Georgina takes it properly seriously though she gets her whole ruler out and everything she like gets her ruler out and draws things together and like makes sure all lines are straight professional dot to dotting world champion dot to dotter she's got like little rubber things on the end of her fingers to, to not get strain while dot to dotting and like wearing special goggles for it or something like. and I'm there with a wet towel just like you know to dab yeah. if she's getting too hot from all the stress Thro- throw it in if she looks like she's going down down, like that's it I'm calling it you're not ready you're not you're not ready for Singapore Georgina you're not ready for you're not ready for the Sydney Opera House it's too much yeah. <laughs> oh we have fun uh, that's, um, that's my metaphor of the week I'm happy with that one I did enjoy this match a lot and uh, it just Dustin's so good on this show we saw probably the two um, out of all wrestlers over 50 years old I think we saw the top two in the world in terms of uh, you know work rate at over 50 in this show one opening the show and one closing the show which is pretty incredible when you think about it um, and you know like where Dustin excels he's he, he has got a good work rate for his age and he is still very adept and you know he hasn't broken down which is he's actually a deceptively big guy as well and it's usually the big guys that their bodies start you know quitting on them um but you know touch wood as of yet he's he's still looking great and he and he can tell a story he's a really good storyteller and that obviously came in really handy in that five star match he had with his brother um at double or nothing their first pay-per-view and just the way he he played off stuff like you know, um, he was avoiding the knees and the kicks from Malachi, and then he took he took a knee, and it wasn't the it wasn't Malachi Black's finisher, but you but he sold it like from then on, like it really rocked him, and you could say, oh, that's going to affect him for the rest of the match, and that's what you want. You want someone to sell this as a real match, and the way Dustin sells, um, you know, gradual wear and tear over the course of a match is really good. Um, he uh, Malachi went out and got Cody's boot during the match, the boot that he took off when he was trying to retire, um, and like chucked it to Dustin, and uh, that kind of that kind of g'd up Dustin, and you know he's quite emotional, battle back, and finally managed to hit. It's stuff like that. Like throughout the whole match, he was struggling to hit a Canadian destroyer. I think he went for it like twice and failed, and then Malachi obviously 
got the boot and you know kicked him up not literally kicked him up the ass with it that would have been that would have been quite an insult though um but metaphorically gave him a kick up the ass and um and he came back and he managed to hit the Canadian destroyer and stuff like that uh there was the ending was botched um but Taz absolutely saved it so Malachi Black hits his spinning heel kick um and very clearly hits Dustin's shoulder like I said Dustin's a deceptively tall man uh and Malachi Black just didn't quite reach the head whether you know whose fault that was it's always hard to tell um when wrestling spots don't go quite the way you want them to but Taz to his credit commentator of the night um saved it by so Malachi Black had, I think he'd like pushed Dustin towards a turnbuckle or something and Dustin's head hit the turnbuckle and he bounced back and he was supposed to get the the spinning heel kick off the rebound but obviously he botched it and hit him in the shoulder um, and obviously they saw, you know, the commentary team or more specifically Taz saw that we saw that it didn't connect and Taz did an amazing recovery he said oh i think it was the i think it was the turnbuckle that knocked him out though you know he didn't get all of the kick so that was, it was really good stuff from taz by selling it um as the turnbuckle that knocked him out and saved me from like deducting a point that i would have from this match um dustin was bleeding from his mouth at the end i'm not sure if that was a legit or re- wherever he's using a blood capsule i hate when wrestlers use blood capsules I remember when roman reigns did it i'd be a hypocrite if i didn't say i hated it too if that was what happened here but um obviously i mean obviously austin gunn did that time anthony Gogo punched him in the stomach but um but at the same time i also sounds quite psychotic to say i hope dustin was really bleeding from the mouth <laughs> i hope he really had internal bleeding <laughs> i know what you, i know what you mean though because you yeah. know you don't you don't want to cheat it out you like when well no especially the last match in the night where they um what's what's the what you say when they hard hard sell is that what it's called Bleeding the hard way. Yeah, yeah, bleeding the hard way. Um, one thing I did want to say for this, because I know, I know from what I've read online, is a lot of people disliked it because they didn't like how offensive Dustin Rose is it. But I, I know, and you'll be thinking the same as me. What I really like about this story is how Malachi Black, the first match he had against Cody was a squash, which was awesome to see because it painted him as this hard guy. And each match he's had since, so Brock to Lee Johnson to Dustin to when it will be Cody again, is getting that harder and harder and is lasting a little bit longer each time. That's a, a very good observation. That's well, the one thing people are obviously saying is like, oh, it's Malachi Black, he should be, you know, he shouldn't be lasting this long with Lee Johnson, he shouldn't be lasting this long with Dustin. It's not that. If you notice, each wrestler is more and more experienced than the other. Um, and especially Dustin. Dustin's a future Hall of Famer. Of course he's going to, you know, he's not going to be an easy beat the reason Cody was beaten so quickly was because it, in storyline terms he was unprepared you know he was he would no one knew what they were facing each time as well these wrestlers had if you're looking at you know storyline wise they've had more and more time to observe Malachi Black hence why with Dustin he, he knew what to avoid do you know what I mean he knew what he's looking out for yeah and exactly he was ducking the ducking yeah the, um, so stuff. that's why I mean I won't I, I know we dislike Cody on this podcast but I won't hate if he wins at our thrash because it's Malachi getting that little bit little bit more people working him out and you know as much as I want Malachi to beat Cody because I want Malachi to be this this force it won't be the end of the world for me if he loses because storyline wise it works it works that each person's working him out a bit more and more and Cody's had this time now and well, seen we, him and, and we want to root for we, we want to root for the face oh yeah well, of course you know what I mean so like it it is difficult because Malachi Black is so 
cool and so good at what he does and Cody is really cringeworthy and looks a little bit like a sex doll but you know he's um he's just it's you know you you want to root for the face still so um you know I, of course I really hope and, and we don't I know I just said that we we don't like Cody on this podcast but we don't hate him there was actually a time when me and you loved him watching him especially towards the end of the New Japan and you know the the first couple of matches he had AEW maybe not love because I saw your face there when I said love but like <laughs> we liked him a lot more than I mean, I, 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 no I liked him enough to get a shirt I've got the um, yeah, well, work like, well I mean let's all just not forget you know the, the match he had with his brother so no I think I, I want Cody to be good again um, I just think he's had a bit of a bad spell he was, since. Fa- he was the best face in wrestling in 2019 I stand by that of course um, so I think you know it'd be nice I think it'll be nice for Cody to beat Malachi uh, because storyline it works and then maybe you know as you said as you said before Malachi Black with his infection maybe he gets more and more kind of I don't know sadistic a bit kind of I like, like how I like, yeah, uh, eventually, I well, eventually oh, every wrestler has to lose. Do you know what I mean? They can't yeah. be unbeaten forever. So we That's can't. Lesnar. Yeah, but we can't. We can't <laughs> just constantly protect these guys. We've got to let them lose, and then, then they come back stronger. Do you know what I mean? Have an even bigger kind of storyline and bigger kind of. But yeah, anyway, what were you saying? I was just going to elaborate on what you said about the quote-unquote infection because I'm not sure I've mentioned it on the podcast but I've mentioned it in our groups uh, group chat that um, Malachi Black he started and it was just like when he started it was just like a little bit of like black makeup coming from one of his eye eyes and then uh, it kind of it's kind of got bigger and bigger until it's almost taken up half his face so I think it's kind of like a like a venom thing spreading like Malachi Black has kind of taken over Tommy Ender I remember him saying in a um, saying in an interview once or it's on his YouTube videos he's not necessarily going to be Malachi Black forever he might be Tommy Ender again it's just you know this is his persona so I think it's like Malachi Black is like this evil entity that's taken over Tommy Ender so um, it'll be interesting to see what happens with that um but yeah, um, the, pretty much the hottest take you've ever given, Jack. I'm impressed. Let's move on. Next up was a promo uh, furthering the rivalry between Miro and Eddie Kingston. Eddie Kingston called out Miro uh, for using the low blow in their match at All Out. Um, Miro cheated to win in their match at All Out. Talks about her, anyone who talks about God as much as, uh, as, much as Miro does wouldn't behave like that. Um, Miro says that he had to <laughs> I'd written it down and um, didn't, forgotten how funny it was and lost it a bit while while I was reading it out. Sorry, uh, Miro. It was like, get over it. I had to ice my balls too after that the day after, um, and then said, and I quote, "I am going to offer your broken bones to my bride and your soul to my God." So, um, good stuff. And it seems like they're continuing this rivalry as well. Yeah, and I, I, there's not too much to add. Um, you know, we'll swiftly move on. But I just want to say I've really enjoyed this feud. Really enjoyed the match at All Out, and I think very have, physical, wasn't it? Yeah, and I think having a rematch at Arfrash, you know, Eddie's Eddie's homecoming um, will be awesome. We said, you know, in the um, in the All Out quick bit at the start, but I think Eddie will win the rematch. I think that'd be cool. Even if he doesn't, it's, you know, it will still be a stellar match and a good homecoming. But I just think, I just think Eddie has improved like wrestling ability wise we always know knew his promo game was strong but I think he has got better and you know the the pop we like people love him more than I knew they loved him anyway like we all knew how loved he was but I think you know one of the he's biggest... got that he's got authenticity and that's what makes Nick Gage in particular so popular I think is you know we talk about 
Um, we were talking about Nick Gage before and how John Moxley said, that guy that you see in the ring, that's him all the time. And that's authenticity. And people connect with wrestlers who are authentic. And I think that's what Eddie Kingston has. I think I wouldn't be surprised if Eddie Kingston was the same, you know, just playing himself. You know what I mean? In the ring. Like... Yeah, no, for sure. Um, but yeah, no, cool promo. Um, look forward to a rematch and look forward to seeing where both go. Uh, Miro's just still killing it with his gimmick and it's just as funny as ever. Next up. What's next up? Sorry, let me have a check. Next up, oh, next up. That was, uh, that's a big one to uh, forget about. Next up, we had CM Punk speaking, addressing the crowd. Um, so he came out and thanked his all-out opponent, Darby Allen and Sting, and and the fans, for that matter. Um, said he wasn't sure how he was going to do in the match, but said it's like riding a violent bicycle. He uh, puts over Minoru Suzuki for, for, you know, said, you know, can you believe that we've got Minoru Suzuki later on against John Moxley? Um, he, then, uh, he then showed his appreciation for Aunt Linda, on the front row, which was Brian, P- Brian Pillman Jr.'s aunt, or see, I thought it was, um, yeah, yeah. So Brian Pillman's sister. No, that was his. Si- no, that was. Oh yeah. No, not Brian, Brian Pillman Jr.'s sister. Junior, Brian yeah. Pillman Seaman, senior's sister. Yeah. Seaman. <laughs> Brian Pillman Seaman. I mean, technically, Brian Pillman Seaman did make a, did make an appearance in this uh, in this dynamite. Just, just it's just developed into a lot more cells, you know. <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, called out, shouted out to Linda. Said he watched the Dark Side of the Ring episode, and she's a saint. I haven't watched it, so I have to go and watch that now. I feel very uh, disappointed with myself. Punk basically requests an opponent, says his wife, um, AJ Mendez, said, you know, what's next? And he said, I don't know. And uh, then Taz takes that, you know, he that classic mean, and I took that personally. So Taz took that personally and stands up at the desk and um, warns Punk not to challenge Team Taz members. Really not sure if this was how this was supposed to make him look because he made him kind of look like a pussy. Like, how are you threatening someone not to challenge you? Like, I'm telling you, I'm warning you. Don't, you know. Um, but Punk tells him to bring it on and quotes Taz's own words back at him. Says, um, fight me if you, fight me if you dare, is it? Or survive if I let you. Whatever. Um, and, uh, yeah. Uh, and so we seem like we're going to, Basically, Punk says, you know, send send Starks at me, send Hook at me, send um, Powerhouse Hubs at me. So it seems like we're going to get CM Punk and Team Taz. Not sure how I feel about that. Oh, I'm not, I'm for it. I mean, I'm pretty much an AW Mark at this point. I actually, um, and I'm going to do it live on the podcast now. Um, a little, we're going to have this new segment. Maybe make it a weekly thing. I. I've complimented the roster earlier, as I did. I think we've got a great roster, um, and I think we've got almost the best roster that if you put any of the opponents together, you'll get a great match. And it's now time for the segment that I'm going to call, um, I don't know, what matches Jack randomised this week. So... <laughs> 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 this this wasn't run past me, just FYI. This no, didn't make it so, past quality control. This is an ambush. <laughs> this is an ambush. So, our first opponent coming to the ring is Andrade. Oh, it's a good start. It's a good start. It's what the good... fuck are you doing? <laughs> we could cut this. I just thought it'd be quite funny. Um, and Andrade is going to be facing. <laughs> Andrade. <laughs> 
the what? random generated the same number. So Andrade's just facing himself. James. Well, this has been a rousing success. <laughs> this has been this this segment that Jack has has uh, decided to introduce oh. in the middle of the show and not at the end, where bonus segments tend to appear. Has been a has been an absolute rousing success. Um, Andrade will go to the ring and punch himself. So it's a wonder we don't book that more bookers don't just use random number generators. It really is. Um, if I can, if I can. I have just done the numbers again. If you want to know who he actually is going to face in this game. Not really, Jack, but I mean, you're going to tell me. Um, I I am indeed. Uh, Right, so he is going to face, I believe... (laughs) It's not done it again, has it? The exalted one, Mr. Brayley. Oh, Jack, this is bad. This is really bad. I believe you've done this. Yes. I'm pausing. I'm pausing now. I've got a composure. We'll keep that in, though. (laughs) So that was the first and last um, of Jack's new bonus segments called Matches Jack Randomized. I can't remember what he called it, but oh, it went about it went, went, went about as well as I thought it would. I'm gonna start, I'm gonna start a petition online to get it into next episode. I I don't think that's wise. I don't I, like the road it took us down. It, as long as Liam signs it, we get it back, and we get one signature that it comes back it comes back next week. Actually, I'm not even. Am I here next week? Yeah, I think I am. No, it comes back next week. No, I can't. Right, I, anyway, let's continue. Jack's composed. Jack's got his beer. Um, it's only my second one. Next up, we had Tony Skiavon interviewing Ruby, Ruby, Ruby Soho. Um, Ruby says she issued an open challenge because she doesn't want people to think she got lucky when she won it all out. Um, Brit and her crew particularly interrupt. Uh, Ruby reminds people that she knows Brit quite well and helped her break into the business. Um, she lifts off Brit's nicknames. You know, she's got... what's Well, I remember the baddest bitch on the block and stuff like that, the role model, etc., etc. And Brit reminds her of the only one of those nicknames that matters, which is AEW Women's World Champion. Um, and then brings up Ruby's nickname, which is the Runaway, and suggests she run away to catering where she's been, uh, you know, for the past however many years, which was brutal. Um, and that that all kicked off. Obviously, Ruby Soho facing um, facing Jamie Hater later in the evening. What did you make of this, Jack? Yeah, it did what it needed to do. Um, I mean, I don't know about you, but don't you think? Even just the presence of having Ruby Soho in AW, it just feels that little bit more legit. Like it feels a little bit more bigger. It's, yeah. yeah it's, Although I did notice that the crowd seemed to pop harder for Brit, like when Brit showed up. Like, and that, but that's you know testament to Brit. So. Yeah. No, and I think that's fair enough because I mean, 
Ruby Soho is a big big name to capture. However, Brit's still the champ, still the one that's most loved and has been, you know, there since the start. So I can see why fans would prefer still Britt Baker over Ruby. But you know, it's, it's cool. And I, yeah, I was just watching this. I thought, yeah, I thought it was a good segment. I'm looking forward to the match um, and the possible other matches. And I mean, the main the main one being um, actually, we're not. I won't go that far ahead because we've got the match to talk about in a bit. But yes. Um, it was cool, cool segment. Next up, we had Dante Martin versus Powerhouse Hobbs. So uh, Will Hobbs, one of the early spots. Well, one of the the earlier spot was immediately they'd missed the start of the match because they were they were showing like um, I can't even remember what they were showing, but they were showing someone in their kind of picture in picture thing, and um, kind of missed almost missed a big spot of uh, Dante Martin like launching himself over Hobbs. Um, Remember, he went for the dive on the outside. That was pretty brutal. Um, Dante went for the tope, and Will catches him and kind of has him frozen with his legs on the rope and then, like, fucking drives his head into the ring post. Did you see that? Yes. I did, yes. Sorry. I had, to, I had to switch tabs to get to my mic. Sorry. No problem. Um, and then, well, then, when he was outside the ring off that move, he threw him back into the ring through the first and second rope like with him basically not even touching it that was quite impressive I don't know if that was intentional but no was, uh, there, was lo- there was loads of cool spots I thought um, there that- was there was a couple he repeated from his match that six man like that uh, that kind of move he does where he kicks off like I don't know it's the bottom or the middle rope and like does yeah. a little like half backflip thing but it was very cool but he's still fresh and he's still new and you know he's, he's a, you know oh no he's fantastic he's just finding his feet and he's the future star he is um he went to another big spot was he went to take flight out of the ring at Hobbs again but Hook stopped him so then he did it anyway but just jumped over Hook instead of uh, jumping through the ropes which was pretty good kind of um, reminiscent of TakeOver Brooklyn uh, Sasha versus Bailey when Sasha Banks jumped over uh, the referee's back um, to, to hit, a, hit a diving move Um very abrupt spine buster and, and the wind going to Hobbs though um, the match wasn't everything I thought it'd be I've made it sound a lot better than it was because when it comes to Dante Martin he's so athletic and impressive that you could just list off like two or three of his spots and it'll make it sound like an amazing match um, but for me they were just really impressive individual spots rather than the match itself as a whole being um, anything to write home about I don't know about you yeah no I agree with all of that um, I think the one kind of comment I wanted to bring to the podcast is how uh, it's going to be hard to, or hard for AEW, I guess, in a way to book Dante Martin back into top flight and tag team because I think he's done so well on his own. Well, this is what I was thinking. I was thinking earlier, I was thinking about our, our end of year awards, right? Mm. And how we have the best breakthrough best breakthrough performer, um, best breakthrough wrestler. And I, I think Dante Martin's a shout for... Um, the shout for winning that for top spot at the moment. I'm trying to so, think yeah. of other trying to think of other people that have broken through this year. You got Wheelie Utah, um, Red Velvet, perhaps um, Jamie Hart. Hater, Jamie Hater, Julia Hart, um, Max Caster, maybe. But like, I don't think anybody's really broken through in the way Dante Martin has. Um, maybe Vasty Blondes. Fasty Blondes, yeah, that was they were they were my top actually before, um, but Dante Martin's probably up there now. But this is the thing, it's like the award for uh, best, uh, well, most improved because that 
as well could go to a tag team or could go to an individual but I think Stu Grayson has been the most improved he's my top so far he's been the most improved wrestler for me uh, and I just think Evil Uno hasn't noticeably improved as much as Stu Grayson so I feel kind of bad not voting for them as a tag team but in that sense I would vote Stu Grayson just as uh, just as a singles wrestler and it's the same with like with Vasty Blondes I would vote for them breakthrough as a tag team but in terms of top flight even if um, Daria even even when Darius comes back this year Dante Martin is my kind of as a singles wrestler is my breakthrough of the year I think yeah no it's a good shout for sure um, definitely in top three well, because top, top Flight themselves were nominated for our breakthrough last year. That's the thing. So last year, they almost, I think, I, I remember Patrick nominating them. Um, so they almost broke through as a tag team. I wouldn't really say they did actually break through. But this year, I think Dante Martin's already broken through as a singles competitor. So, um, yeah, that's, that's uh, my opinion on the matter. But as I said, the match itself, not fantastic. Next up... Dan Lambert is at it again. Um, we the spotlight found him in the in the cheap seats, uh, flanked by the uh, men of the year, and I didn't really take any notes for this because honestly I, I'm a big fan of Dan Lambert and his work and his heel work, but to this week it kind of finally felt like there wasn't much direction to it and he was just repeating the same things like the same buzzwords like all oh, these millennial snowflakes and the thing is he contradicts himself because this time he specifically really went hard on the whole oh you know in the good eras of wrestling all guys were big obviously saying all the things that AEW fans hate to hear you know or disagree with um, and this is the thing he said um, and you're hiring all these guys like CM Punk and Brian Danielson and Adam Cole and you think you're hot shit because of that um, you know and all, all your uh, five, five foot ten uh, no sorry like five foot nine you know vanilla midgets or whatever Scorpio Sky is five foot ten so he's only he's only an inch off what Dan Lambert is calling being a like a puny midget or whatever Um so, like, he's about the height that, that, that Dan Lambert's talking about, which is crazy to me. I mean, he's probably shorter than, like, Punk or shorter than um, at least one of those three. So, like, he's just contradicting himself to be aligned with the men of the year. Neither of those guys are massive. Neither of those guys are the huge kind of stature guys he's talking about. They're not fucking, you know, Hulk Hogan or Lex Luger, Luger or... Um, or Andre the Giant, obviously, or you know the the Giant Big Show or whatever. So it it kind of that's kind of odd to me, and I just I don't know. I I wasn't that hot on him this week as I have been on previous weeks. Yeah, for me, he's overstayed his welcome a little bit. Um, you know, I I don't know how long he's going to be sticking around, how long he's going to be doing this, but he he's just saying the same shit. Yeah, he, he he had great success the first time, maybe even the second time because yeah, yeah, want to see him back. Uh, but now it's kind of like now it's a regular thing. It's just like uh, it's it's just another. So where is this going? I'm not sure. Yeah. They even There's know no direction. Um, no, they the just. Word. I don't know why they put you know um, the men of the year with him. Um, Who's who are they? Yeah, like I said, the men of the year with him make no sense because he's exactly the kind of people they're talking about. Exactly, talking about. It kind of just. It just feels like they had nothing to do, and it's just especially another... especially when Lance Archer was the one. I don't know if he still will be, but was the one who was feuding with them. Like he's talking about like how big guys are real wrestlers and small guys aren't. Lance Archer's fucking massive. 
<laughs> and and Scorpio Sky and Ethan Page aren't. So it's it's, it's very random. They're just trying really to weird. take a dig at WWE, and it's it's one of their kind of long jokes that you know isn't really necessary. But they have to have him like make a point for it to even be believable. Do you know what I mean? Or not 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 make a point per se, but like at least have it so that he could that we believe that he believes what he says, you know, um, which they were doing a good job of the past few weeks. Like it was really kind of politically charged and he was really kind of sounded like pissed off and disgruntled at the modern era of wrestling. But now it's just exposing cracks and making him look like a hypocrite. It's mad as well how they, um, because now they're back on the road, um, you know, they're actually taking him to all these shows just to do this <laughs> bit. Yeah. Like, Odd. That's the weird part. Next Next up, we were treated to the presence of Maxwell Jacob Friedman. Um, this was fantastic, uh, this this promo. So he, come, MJF comes to the ring, he's got Wardlow in tow, says that he beat Jericho clean. Um, uh, obviously, he, I don't know, he didn't, but he's saying it was the match was re- uh, all out. Obviously, Jericho got his foot on the ropes. Aubrey counted the fr- three, but then I think it was Paul Turner. Um... I think it was Paul Turner, uh, reversed the decision and obviously they restarted the match. Um, but MGF claims he beat Jericho clean um, and that it was only restarted due to bias against him. He uh, dunked on Cincinnati. I think he called it shit Cincinnati. Um, <laughs> he just went hard on Brian Pillman Jr.'s family. He threatened to knock Linda, that lovely Linda from the CM Punk promo, threatened to knock her teeth down her throat. I was like, he's going to threaten to hit her. I was already laughing. And then when he said, I swear I'll knock your teeth down your throat, Linda, I was like, fucking hell. <laughs> and he goes, and then he talked to, I think, is it, it's, is it, I'm assuming it's Brian Pillman Jr.'s sister. He's like, oh, hey, 16 and pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's so good. He's I know. So good. Um, Brian Pillman Jr. interrupted to defend his defend his town and defend his family, and um, <laughs> MJF is so it was so brutal. He said um, he mentioned Brian Pillman Jr.'s your what your uh, what your drug addicted mother Methany. Oh, I'm sorry, Melanie. <laughs> <laughs> she, she should have swallowed. He said um, no, the best part about it is every time he said something like that and Wardlow's in front he was just like hang on hang on like he was going to say something and it just got yeah. increasingly worse what he was yeah. saying <laughs> yeah like it could like he could turn it around at the end but, but no it just kept going worse and worse um, so yeah um, he at one point he dismissed Wardlow because Wardlow went to protect him or something he was like you know you stand over there and look pretty you didn't oh like you helped me you're gonna you're gonna help me you're gonna say me help me like you did it all out stand over oh, you know go was, stand over there and look pretty yeah that was yeah and uh, yeah Wardlow went and stood in the corner or whatever and this was the best bit for me um, Brian Pullman Jr. started attacking um started attacking MJF beating him down and did you notice twice Wardlow hesitated to help MJF mm. he um he took his sweet time helping MJF and he did it once and then got Brian Pillman Jr. off him you know beat him down a bit then went off to another corner and then Brian Pillman Jr. started doing it again he turned around he looked at him for a good like two three seconds and then helped him and it's like Oh, like, it's, it's so coming. subtle. It's, it's it... so subtle because uh, commentary didn't even address it. They didn't even address the time it took for Wardlow to help him, which was good because it was just like one of those Easter eggs. It's like, oh, 
you know because he is still helping him and he is still beating down Brian Pillman Jr so it's only like these little flashes do you know what I mean of him considering should I help him or should I not that's that that is one of the best um you know storyline kind of moments they is one this whole promo was fantastic because it was MJF's promo game was on point and the development with Wardlow was so awesome and subtle I just loved it yeah this this was you know unreal um and it's definitely you know it's nice to see MJF in a new kind of storyline you know that's not about Jericho and stuff and it's and I think it might have even been better than some of the Jericho stuff now because we not it went dry but we all kind of it ran its course its course a little bit and they kept on keeping it interesting but you know we're ready for the next thing and now and we're not saying you know Brian Pillman Jr is going to be the big next feud um, maybe we'll see like an MJF Wardlow and um, the Varsity Blondes kind of feud well, but I think you know if we can keep having these subtle kind of hints at Wardlow turn on MJF as long as we can keep this, this going um, that eventual blow off is going to be mwah, chef's kiss but as you mentioned the Varsity Blondes the Varsity Blondes Griff Garrison did come down uh, to interrupt and try and help but he got himself beat down as well um, the crowd well the crowd chatting you tapped out MGF did he tap out I'm trying to remember he didn't go down to yeah no he, he tapped out yeah yeah because it, it was chant. to the Lion Tamer wasn't it yeah um, but yeah no uh, I actually would like to see um, the Varsity Blondes be involved in not a long dragged out feud because we don't like when feuds overstay their welcome you know mentioning no names Charlie Allen, Brian Cage, but uh, <laughs> but uh, they, you know I would like to see them have this have it because are they having a singles match? They are, aren't they? It was, yeah, it'll be a singles match. Yeah, for yeah. sure. At our fresh, at our fresh, yeah, they're having a singles well, match. There. I'm confused about because I don't think it's quite big enough for that. But I guess they've got to have some smaller matches to kind of break it up a bit. But here's the thing: I would like to see a tag match between the Varsity Blondes and MJF and Wardlow just to stoke some drama between MJF and Wardlow like maybe Wardlow not re- reaching the tag in time or Wardlow like costing them, ma- costing them the match and MJF slapping him after the match or something and we think Wardlow's going to react but then he doesn't or or maybe he does maybe it's you know it's it, or they you know just go for the slow burn I would prefer but you know um, yeah, I would like to see that, that worked in the best storylines have been the longer drawn out one that's not to say every longer drawn out story like AEW yeah, has done to be perfect but the ones we have loved the most have been you know the hangout be fair, they were ones, still going on and, they, yeah. they were all ones we were excited about in the first place the thing where I mentioned or pretended I didn't mention but I did um, Darby Allen versus Brian Cage I don't think anyone was too hot about that in the first place whereas you know feuds that have been drawn out that we really enjoy like the elite versus well everyone but the elite versus the dark order or you know luch brothers and and um the young bucks we we enjoyed these feuds in the first place you know we always liked these feuds we were always excited about them so like nobody's looking for another fucking cody rhodes versus qt marshall match you know so no definitely i agree with that next oh sorry next up we had Jamie Hayter versus Ruby, Ruby, Ruby Soho. Um, Jamie, of course, accompanied by Britt Baker and Rebel. Um, this match didn't live up to my expectations of it, which I was a little bit disappointed about. There was some nice, there was worse nice spots. Um, like, 
I remember that, uh, I'll just go through actually I can only remember two spots and one of them was the finish to be honest but there was um, Jamie got Ruby up in a uh, like an electric chair drop position and it might have been a botch like she might have been going for like a Frankensteiner but she went like the commentary team didn't even know what to call it she um, she ended up just like I don't know it was like it was like a sideways half like Frankensteiner reverse Harankarana kind of thing um, like I said possibly botch but she made it look cool enough so if it was an accident then it looked fine it was like I remember Jungle Boy I can't remember exactly what he did but I remember it was in like a big multi-man tag match um, he uh, he botched a move I think but ended up ending up looking like a really cool move anyway so that's kind of what happened there um, probably a a sorry indictment of the match that the only thing good spot that comes the only spot that comes to mind uh other than the finishing spot for me was potentially a complete accident um but the finishing spot should talk about that she won with a nice bicycle kick out of nowhere which was it was off a reversal i think um which was which was a nice surprise i did expect ruby soho to be and they do seem to be wanting to push her that way because obviously she won off a strike so they do want to push her as a brawler a striker sort of like the female malachi black so i was expecting this to be a lot more physical in this match um and this and, and jamie hater i really rate as well i think is really good so i thought all these elements were going to come together for something special wasn't particularly special there was some post-match to talk about but i want to get your opinion on the match first yeah same as you mate um match was nothing too special i i was excited to see this um, I'm the same as you um, been loving these two I say loving these two I've only just seen Ruby Soho but the idea of this match excited me um, I just think a lot of this Dynamite um, and the matches in general was a time thing I don't think um, from doing my it's research uh, any match was over 10 minutes um, and a lot of the matches had picture in picture breaks so there wasn't a lot really too special I think you know if you take a picture in picture break and say maybe 3-4 minutes um, that means you've only got really, you know, say, like I said, they've not went over 10 minutes. So if you say 10 minutes max, which it wasn't, but that's three minutes each side, not much time really to do too much. Um, yeah, which was a shame. But, you know, at the end of the day, it was still exciting to see this and it's building up that that feud. Um, and that's, you know, further in the storyline. The only thing that's annoying me a bit at the moment, is, have we seen Jamie Hayter really win? She's meant to be this kind of big bodyguard kind of enforcer character for Brit and you know she's kind of losing a lot she so. must have beat Red Velvet yeah I think maybe that was that must have been her only winning so far but like you know you got I think you've got Rebel being the kind of like the body bag kind of character which you know I think she there'll be maybe a time when she proves herself to be a bit more than that but at the moment she's the one you kind of put out for the squash matches and I think Jamie Hayter should be a bit more you know should be winning a bit more and standing up you know up to the fight a bit more and yeah, but I think, you know, the people she has lost to um, it's been, you know, not not too bad. Like the Casino Battle Royale, this one, you know, Ruby Soho is getting the push and I'm trying to think what other matches they've been. Can't think right now. But anyway, yeah, no. Oh, Chris Statlander, maybe? And Chris Statlander was going into the pay-per-view. Yeah, I think so. So, yeah. so I think she only had like three matches. But. Yeah, so it's not the end of the world, but I would like to see her win a couple more Um and look, look a proper threat. Which she, she's looking all right, but yeah. But this as a, as the one women's match we get each week, um, wasn't the best. As I said, there is some post match to talk about. Um, the, I mean, I don't really know what to call them as a collective. Brits bitches, the britches. They, uh, 
They um they tried to curb stomp Ruby Soho on the women's world title, but the save was made by Riho and Chris Statlander. <laughs> the orthodontists. By Riho and Chris Statlander uh, made the save um, to clear the ring and the three of them standing victorious. One thing that I thought was very funny was um, <laughs> Statlander was kneeling and Riho was like sat on her knee like she was a kid at, waiting for Santa. Like, <laughs> she was sat, like I guess because they've got quite a size difference. Riho's quite small and... Um, and uh, Chris is quite big, but I kind of half expected her to kind of start making a mouth move like a ventriloquist dummy. <laughs> just <laughs> sat on her knee. It was hilarious. Bit random, though, um, Rico coming out. Not, not that I'm against it, but, um, you know, we expected Chris Statland to come out, but I guess they had to throw another... Thing is, thing is, Rico and also Hikaru Shida have been off, you know, Dynamite for so long that anyway they reintroduce them is going to feel a bit random because they don't really have ties to anyone... You know, I mean, Hikaru Shida does. If she was to make a comeback, you know, to the main roster, she could be, you know, interrupting a Britt Baker thing, and it makes sense because they had the match. But Riho's been out of the game for so long, out of the main roster picture for so long, that she doesn't really have any beefs or alliances that she can use as an excuse to get herself back in. So it's always going to feel a bit random. But, you know, like you say, it's just good for her to be back. Next up, we had a promo from Brian Cage and Ricky Starks. It's their usual back to for back and forth kind of unique style of promo. Keep it quick. They basically just said they're both sick of the feud. Yeah, me both, Brian. Um, <laughs> and uh, no, I don't. I don't hate this one as much as as others, to be honest. Um, but they mentioned how they're you know gonna finish it one v one. So I suppose this will be another match for our Rash stage, even though it hasn't been announced yet. I don't know if you think that's likely. I actually think it might be a rampage, and I don't know if... I mean, they could drag it out till Arthrash, but I mean... they got. No, so much, I agree. They've got it so much be. they could do now that they there's no need to hold back these matches like they have been doing, you know, when the pandemic era, where they were prolonging stuff. I think strike when the iron's hot, do you know what I mean? And Well, that's, that's what I mean. I like how they keep putting these kind of marquee matches on Rampage, like they've got Andrade versus Pac on Rampage this week, so... Yeah, and that, no, that, I mean. that's a that's a you know a um a standout match, and I think I think it's the best way to make not that it needs to, but make Rampage look legit, and you know yeah. not not just a hundred percent. Well, you know, uh, uh, obviously we know Dark and Dark Elevation are the kind of the the B tier, the second tier, yeah, the, the B tier shows. Yeah. yeah, they are. So um so you know, and Rampage should be legit. Do you know what I mean? Um, mm. because it's extra content, and in some instances, people are paying out to go specifically watch these shows. I know yeah. this week it's being pre-recorded along with um, this. The, it's in Cincinnati, Ohio, and I know they yeah. don't do that all the time. Um, but sometimes they do. But they do sometimes. And um, well, I think I think they're gonna. The plan is to expand Rampage into a two-hour show next year, and and that will, I assume, be recorded separately all the time. So yeah, and that would be exciting. And you know, I've I've thoroughly been enjoying Rampage. I really like that kind of bite-sized hour format, um, especially for that Saturday morning. You know, wake up my cereal and um, yeah. So mm-hmm. no pa- Saturday morning wrestling, a classic. And I think I think each week they should have you know one proper legit match on Rampage. The rest can be kind of you know a bit. Filler. Even the even the smaller ones have been yeah, exciting. Yeah, they have. Um, it's been. I think so far it's been a success, um, and Definitely. I've been enjoying it. And yeah, so Brian Cage, Ricky Starks. I hope they put on a rampage or dynamite and not save it for. I mean, our Ash is a dynamite one, but you know. But nonetheless, I hope they don't just like the um, the COVID area. 
just drag these stuff out to the bigger event just kind of if it's ready you know go for it and you can then have another match for, to fill up that time next up we had the pinnacle that being sean spears and ftr versus the dark order that being uno grayson and johnny hungy silver um there was a bit of discord in the dark order wasn't there from the get-go obviously it ended that way as well but we'll get to that but straight off the bat grayson tagged himself in silver returned the favor and tagged himself back in and they kind of went back and forth a bit um Grayson looked fantastic in the match. Grayson always looks fantastic, but and John Silver as well. Um, really nice combination from him. Specifically, I remember where he took on pretty much all three of the competitors, kind of going wild on him. Um, John Silver ended up taking the pin off the Death Valley driver, and uh, everything just kind of broke down after the match uh, between the Dark Order, kind of imploding, and uh, Anna Jay and Tay Conti came out. Anna wanting to break it up between the guys and um you know uh make things better but uh take on held her back so um yeah i think i don't know if it was this one whether i missed it but uh um or whether it was previously but anna jay has already shown she's trying to restore the order in the dark order isn't she um and take you know a bit of a lead not a leadership role but take a you know come on you boys yeah no she is and I wish they'd just announced Ty Conti as an official member because it's weird isn't it I don't know she's like an alliance with him just you know join why not but that's what exactly that's what they did with Colt Cabana they're like he's not officially in the Dark Order he's not officially in the Dark Order and then eventually just like they just kind of accepted it it was like okay, he's obviously in the Dark Order and has been for a while, but whatever. Like, that's that's kind of how it went. Like, for whatever reason, which I can't explain, and I, I don't know if they could even explain, they were really adamant about holding off about him being in the Dark Order for a while. I mean, to be honest, that even made more sense because it was... They were heel at the time, and Colt Cabana was, like, you know, super happy, kind of silly um, comedy face and stuff. So it was like... It was like he didn't really want to commit to the Dark Order because they weren't his vibe. But um, but now their face and Anna Jay's in it. It's like, what reason does Tay Conti have not to join the Dark Order? For sure, for sure. Um, yeah, no. And she she fits the kind of, you know, the agenda sort of now, you know, that like they are babyface. Um, but no, the, the match and... Well, I know you, you like this match a lot more than me. For me, it was just a bit too short. Um, but I get what. But all the matches were too short, and I think yeah. I think a short match is more conductive to a spot fest like this with lots of athleticism from um, Grayson and and Silver um, yeah, than no, was than was the main event for me. Which which the main event was the kind of physical slog that could have benefited from being fifteen minutes at least. You know. Yeah. No, I agree. But I think the main takeaway from this. Um, firstly the pinnacle have just died out now haven't they crikey what what could have been in my eyes what could have been and and you know it's Wardlow comes out with them but MJF does it just doesn't feel like it feels like he created this but he's got his own thing going on and he's always gonna it feels like he's above them kind of yeah. thing you know it's, it's weird it's weird but Dark Order is obviously the main thing and watching them fight and actually you know break out fighting amongst each other is sad but like I said earlier the happy moment's going to be when they almost implode and then you, you hear Hangman's music drop and he comes yeah. out and they all rejoice and he's the one that brings order and then they help push him away and up and get into that AEW title. But until then, we have to have this depressing couple of minutes on Dynamite each week where Dark Order look 
sad and looked like they're falling well, out. They, 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 came, they even came to blows. They were... Yeah, yeah, they were know. beating each other up. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I think um, the main one I saw, I think, was Alan, Five Angels. Um, yeah, beating up Stu Grayson. And I was like, no, what... What have what have you become now that you've betrayed everyone you've ever loved? Okay, Jack, we know the song. Um, them all away. Sorry. Um, and uh, yeah, no, Anna J. I think people I were expecting to be the ones bringing them together, but then we saw this week like she tried and take on. It's like, nah, it's like you're not going to be exactly. able to fix it. Which and Stu Grace is just busy. screaming over the ropes. And exactly, there's there's one more person to come and fix them. I think exactly. Next up, we had a recap of the Casino Battle Royale from All Out with some of the competitors speaking. So a lot of the feuds were stressed during this, which was good um, because, you know, the women's division really needs big stories. So they stressed that TJ, Tay Conti and uh, Anna Jay, and they they still have uh, beef, they mentioned, with the Bunny and Penelope Ford. And Bunny's like, oh, why do we still have to deal with these people? Um, uh, Cargill, Jay Cargill, uh, Mark Sterling mentioned how, you know, you can't... Uh, turns out you can't trust anyone. That's the lessons take from this because she was eliminated by uh, Nyla Rose. So we will probably see that go down which I'm quite excited about just um, was it it's usually big beefy men slapping beef but um, big beefy gals slapping beef so that'll be exciting and um, Thunder Rosa uh, closed it out by saying she is not giving up it was heartbreaking for her to get to number two and then lose out at the last minute but she's not giving up so what does not giving up look like for Thunder Rosa from here Jack and what do you think about the other feuds we've got going on those being that were stressed during this those being Take on T and Anna Jay versus the Bunny and Penelope Ford and uh, Jay Cargill and Nyla Rose I think the main one stands out to me is um, Nyla Rose Jay Cargill because as much as I dislike Nyla Rose I think this one could work and I don't I mean I, I haven't really been that hot on Jay Cargo as well you know that I thought she's been kind of pushed when she's a bit too green and she's just got the look it was a very WWE kind of push um, and you know we don't really rate Nyla Rose for some reason I'm just really excited about this because we haven't had a female Hoss fight in AEW at least not since um, I think maybe Nyla Rose and Aja Kong like faced off in the and I think it was during like a fatal four way anyway but um yeah, it's, it's been a long time. No, there's lots of cool stuff, and this is what, you know, we all knew this is what the women's division needed. It needed separate feuds that weren't a title picture feud. Yeah. Um, and that's what we're getting, and that's really exciting. And, um, you know, have have a women's match. Because we, when we were talking in our group chat, you know, and I said about how many men are in the men's roster and how many, you know, women are in the women's. And, um, and there is about, you know, the the split that it makes sense that Dynamite only shows one now but um oh but um yeah if on on Rampage we can have another then that's you know that should be it'll be it'd still be nice to have more but anyway there's some cool feuds coming um and I'm excited and yeah it's nice to see what can come um of a feud that's not the women's title picture which is not Britt Baker and um, Thunder Rosa which was the only one really we've had that's been successful but what do you do with Thunder Rosa because as I said in this she said she's not giving up and what does that look like for her what's that look like for her I think potentially a forbidden door moment maybe 
maybe cool. maybe a bit more of um, I hope they go for that because obviously if she hasn't name dropped anyone um, then I think the that's the best thing to do because otherwise she's just you know going back to dark and earning the wins to go up to get Brit when she's you know ready and I think there's more to come from her and I think especially if she's the, one of the more experienced ones it'd be um, it'd be nice to kind of whilst they're building up the younger ones and the more green ones to send her off to a division maybe like Impact and she came out and she against Gianna Peraza and had that match and maybe go back there and have something um, see here's the thing to me it feels like someone from Impact should show up at AEW because she's already gone to Impact but um, just just to get her that you know this build to be in front of an AEW audience that said as you say she's already faced Gianna Peraza and I'm not sure who on the Impact roster um, female wise is big enough to come on to AEW and, and carry that maybe Chelsea Green uh, I mean other than Diana Perazzo Mickey James. Chelsea Green or Mickey James of course is Mickey James Mickey James properly Impact is she NWA and just appeared on Impact but I think maybe yeah, NWA but I think also, she's NWA I mean, Jordan Grace is she not being Jordan mm, isn't she in a tag thing at the moment though yeah for Rachel Ellering yeah yeah, so I'm not sure. I'm not sure that would make sense. Uh, I really don't know. It's, it'll be interesting, nonetheless. Maybe even um, a Japanese girl, TJPW or Stardom or something. Yeah, so the thing. I'm not sure. The Mahito. thing with Stardom, <laughs> she she actually that would be good because she's. Cause, oh, that, I tell you what, Jack, that is a shout. Okay, so one thing she's Ma, uh, Makito is doing a lot of branching out stuff at the moment. She had a death match on DDT, which is um, you know obviously the men's promotion counterpart to TJPW who usually only have one permanent female member which is Saki Akai um, but yeah she has unfinished business with Thunder Rosa because Thunder Rosa and her were in a feud over the TJPW international uh, women's title and um, international princess title or whatever it's called and uh, I believe Thunder Rosa was champion but had to drop it because of COVID um, when they were like in the middle of a big feud together, a really hot feud as well. Uh, so that is an absolute shout if they could get Makita back over. Um, that said, I'm not sure that will happen just because she is such hot property at the moment. She won the um, the Tokyo Princess Cup. She will. She's in it. She's getting into a program with her former tag partner Miyu Yamashita, the Princess Princess Champion. She'll probably be going for the championship soon. So she's kind of tied up with TGPW commitments. That said, I would love to see that her versus Thunder Rosa. I think, like I said, there's unfinished business there. So who knows? Forbidden door moment, though. Hopefully. Next up, we had Tully Blanchard calling out Darby and Sting. Um which was a bit random because he started he tried to segue it unsuccessfully for me from talking about the match that just happened to somehow Darby and Sting have offended him anyway he he mentions that Darby and Sting have affronted him somehow I'm not sure how um, but a Darby match is booked I believe it was Darby versus Sean Spears um, and Tully says that this was a bit of a came from nowhere that um, he's not done and he wants a match with Sting one more time in the future. What the fuck? Um, yeah, I don't know how I feel about that. Um, well, who's going to carry that match, you know? Yeah, exactly. Um, so maybe it could be a tag with Sean Spears. No, he said he wants, uh, I think he wants one we've won. Just one, you know? But that, that's going to be interesting. Um, I hope no one dies. Um, <laughs> I think Sting would have to be the one to carry the match, but, you know, Sting... That's probably a lot of pressure on Sting. 
Yeah, exactly. Um, but let's go. Let's go for the main talking point: um, Derby versus Sean Spears. I think that's next. To be honest, I think Tully versus Thing is the main talking point, I mean, Jack. But yeah, I, no, I, no, yeah, I take no. your point. The the one that's kind of more relevant and more happening now. So we can we could dream match Tully versus Thing. I, I use dream, um, you know, loosely. <laughs> but uh, but no, Sean Spears versus Derby. I'm actually looking forward to this. Nonetheless, Sean Spears will get pinned by Derby and get buried once again. Um, but I can't wait to see that happen. Shout out to Con. Um, next up was um, a little promo with uh, Brian Pillman Jr. and Griff Garrison is being treated behind him uh, by by Doc Samson, etc. Um, Brian Pillman Jr. says he's spoken to Tony and as we mentioned earlier in the show, it's him versus MJF booked for NYC, that big Grand Slam at the Alfred Stadium. And the acclaimed interrupt him. Big pop from Max Caster. This is this is what I was saying to you earlier. Like, I don't think Brian Pillman Jr. got as big a reception as they expect him to get in Cincinnati because this was kind of at times the Brian Pillman Jr. show. Yet I would say that Max Caster got the bigger pop when they came on screen. When the acclaim came on screen, it was a big pop for Max Caster. I don't know whether it was sort of a kind of um, a kind of resistance kind of pop to you know people who felt like he was unjustly um, taken off television after after the incident with his rap on on AEW Dark. But either way, he just seems more popular than ever. Um, and like I said, not sure that was the reception they wanted to get, but he will be facing, he being Max Caster, will be facing Brian Pillman Jr. on Rampage, will no doubt lose to Brian Pillman Jr. on Brian Pillman's path to MGF um, in New York. But what did you think about this? And what did you think about, you know, what I, what I just said, essentially? Uh, Tom, I'm going to be honest, not much to say. I think it was a bit of a, as you, as you put rightly, the Brian Pillman show. Um, don't think it did too much, except... Very um, happy to see Max Caster back. Um, agree with the the fact they popped more for Max Caster and Brian Pillman Jr. I think Brian Pillman Jr. is weird not- though, especially in Cincinnati. Like I said, I think they booked it thinking the fact he's from Cincinnati would just just carry him through this, and I don't think no. the crowd were that buying into it to be honest. No, no, yeah, I I agree with that. Um, but yeah, not really too much to say other than you know. Just great to see Max Caster and the acclaimed back in my eyes. Well, what else would you see them with your ears? Next up was next up was an interview with the elite. The the elite. The elite are introduced by Tony Schiavone. Um Nick's earring is obscene at this point. It's, he's, it's a chain going from his earring to his nose ring. Um, they have a bit of uh, banter talking about how, um, you know, Callis gets on the mic, talks about how uh, they, you know, Kenny is basically the best in the world and how he's won the, he topped the PWI 500. Um edging out Roman Reigns, who was in second place. Um, absolutely brutal uh, tweet he sent to Will Ospreay, which we'll talk about later regarding that. Um, Sorry, I completely ranking. forgot about Nick's, the Nick's Pierce nine found picture on Twitter. And he absolutely... <laughs> I know you guys can't see it on the podcast, but I showed Tom the picture they posted on Twitter, and he looks absolutely oh, ridiculous. <laughs> He's great, uh, honestly. But, um, yeah, and talked about how... The Young Bucks gave, you know, they may be 
uh, a couple of belts lighter, but they they gave people you know the the greatest tag team match of all time. Um, so just put themselves over, as is you know the usual elite, uh, the elite fair. But then, speaking of Nick, Nick got on the mic and says, oh, we've got our best friend back and introduce Adam Cole, Bebe, who comes out, uh, gets in the ring and gets immediately gets in Tony Schiavone's face about his friendship with Dr. Britt Baker, DMD, who um, most people will know is Adam Cole's long-term partner. So... Um, yeah, he forces Tony Schiavone to get out of the ring. Says basically says, if you even look at her, I'll you know I'll kill you or whatever. Um, told uh, Tony to get out of the ring. Repeatedly called him a nerd. <laughs> so get out of the ring, you nerd, you nerd. Go on, nerd. Like just <laughs> shouting it at him. Um, Cole says everything that AEW is is thanks to your elite. Um, you know, uh, you, uh, you know everyone's there because of the elite. It's you know, every ticket they've bought. Um, and says that he has been elite for years, just, you know, before all elite wrestling was even a thing, he was elite. Um, you know, I guess by virtue of association with these guys and being part of this inner circle, that's another faction, but being part of this inner circle before AEW was even a thing. Uh, he announces that he will be making his in-ring debut next week. Kenny uh, talks, gets back on the mic and talks about how he hates being interrupted. So naturally, shocked Pikachu face, uh, Brian Danielson immediately interrupts him again for the uh, for the second time within the space of a week. Um, Kenny asks the rest of the elite to vacate the ring um, to give him and Brian the ring and that gets a big pop from the crowd seeing Kenny Omega and Brian Danielson in a ring together with, I mean, it's dream booking time that um, with nobody else in there diluting, you know, the tension. Um, Brian basically says that Kenny's scared to face him because Di uh, Brian Danielson's better than he is, uh, and he knows it, to, quote, to paraphrase MJF. Um, Kenny tries to attack him, but Brian puts him in the yes lock. Um, I doubt that's what we'll be calling it in AEW but they haven't given us anything else to call it yet so as it stands it's the yes lock um, this is where we could have used the play by play commentator I was just like, about to say like Excalibur, Alex Excalibur would have, would he, he would have had a name for that straight away wouldn't he yeah. um, and Jurassic so yeah he put the yes lock in but then uh, the elite come in to uh, break it up and beat down Danielson at this point, Jurassic Express, Christian Cage, and Frankie Kazarian, who nobody noticed for ages. I felt so bad. <laughs> like, nobody... They're like, it's Jurassic Express, it's Christian Cage, and they were talking about what's going on. And then they were like... <laughs> and, like, I noticed them straight away, and I knew he'd be there based on his affiliation, but then Taz, like, towards the end of the beatdown, was like, he's getting pushed up. That's Frankie! That's Kazarian! <laughs> like, yeah. He's been here the whole time. He's the elite hunter. Um, uh, they come out to equalise. Jungle Boy yeets himself at the elite to a uh, positive response from the crowd and oh, uh, before that Marcus Stunt gets chucked at um, was it Good Brothers Marcus Stunt did get chucked to the Good Brothers yes Soros, yeah. he's, a, he's a trooper he is uh, Marcus Stunt but uh, it's, it runs in the family that you know I remember seeing Logan Stunt his brother getting thrown into the ring getting thrown into the crowd at a GCW event by uh, yes uh, Sh Shane Mercer as well. yeah yeah um, just just a family of uh, 
of baseballs being pitched, don't they? Of yeeters. Uh, of ye- <laughs> yeah, of yeeties. They're not the ones yeeting. They're the yeeties. Um, sounds a bit like ET. Yeet. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's a that's a movie parody waiting to happen. That's that's the one where he falls out of the bike when they. <laughs> Yeet. Um, <laughs> but back on topic, uh, Brandon Cutler. Uh, was left alone in the ring, surrounded by everybody. Um, all the aforementioned people, including the imposing uh, Marco Stun. I was watching it thinking, just run at Marco. You can mow him down and get out of the ring. Just go. Like, he was like deciding where to run. I was like, is it not obvious? And he runs at fucking Brian Danielson. Um, but Danielson catches him with the running knee. And uh, for, a, for, for the faces standing victorious in the ring at the end of the segment. What did you think of this, Jack? I've, I've talked for a long time about it. I was about it. to say, you always hog the mic and then I've got nothing to say. Hog the mic? Um, no, loved, loved it. Uh, probably segment of the night for me. I'd go, yeah. It's easily. a close call between that and the MGF stuff, I think. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, maybe. But I mean, for me, this is just, honestly, seeing Adam Cole and Brian Daniels in AEW will never not amaze me. Um, it's, it's so cool, it's isn't just, it? It's so cool. Um, and just the the possibilities the dream matches um, yeah really cool segment um, I'm loving Adam Cole you know aligning immediately with the elite I'm glad he didn't try and you know be the face I'm glad he was straight away in there and I, it just works it just works and yeah well, the um, thing is when people debut especially after jumping ship from another company they usually debut as a face you think everyone CM Punk has debuted as a face Brian Danielson's debuted as a face Ruby Soho's debuted as a face um who else, who else has come over? John Moxley debuted as a face. Genuinely, I think uh, they're all faces, aren't they? Yeah, but Adam Cole debuted as a heel, so... Um, yeah, interesting. No, it is interesting and really cool. Um, you know, just it was kind of like a sequel to the other night. Really cool to just see Brian Danielson and Kenny um, in the ring together. Cool to see Brian Danielson get the yes lock. Uh, other name will be used when it is <laughs> created by Excalibur. But no... This is... Oh, oh. No, go on. No, 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 you go on. Well, just because you mentioned that, I uh, I want to talk about, and we've spoken about this in private, but Brian Danielson's intro music, his his entrance music has it's dun, 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 and, and along with it, it's you're gonna get your fucking hair kicked in. That's that's that chant. Well, they don't say fucking; it's blanked out. But that's on the track, um, and then it's that, and then it's da, 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 like claps, and like it's made to encourage the crowds chanting along with it. But no one in the crowd can hear it because they're chanting yes, because <laughs> it's so. And it's like his WWE thing, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. They're chanting his WWE thing, and it's like just listen to the track and you're going to be really into this I promise but you can't fucking hear it if you're screaming yes <laughs> like no. I don't want to discourage people from marking out you know like it's, it's exciting for everyone do you know what I mean uh, yeah but no but honestly, like, I honestly don't think they can hear it you know no, so I, don't, I think I think there's people out there who haven't haven't even really listened realized, to his music yeah. that much and haven't even realised that it has you're going to get your fucking head kicked in and it no and it's yeah that, that, that is a cool kind of touch to it but no in, in summary Really cool, just a sequel to um, the All Out moment, and just can't wait to see more. Next up, or last up, uh, main event of the evening was John Moxley versus hometown hero. John Moxley should be noted versus the King Minoru Suzuki. So, first off, I want to air a grievance, Jack. I have a grievance. I know I exactly what your grievance is. Dear, 
Casanino. What the they fuck? They cut it, didn't they? They cut it. They um, have two. They have two times they can do that. If he's only over for all out and the dynamite, they've got two ch- two Casanino rays. It's I'm pretty not sure a lot. I saw Suzuki look disappointed as well. Like I think he. I don't know whether I saw because when it cut to John Moxley's entrance music, you saw him just walk across the ring, and I think he either shook his head or put a thumb down or just he well, looked I think, disappointed. Yeah, yeah, I think like even he. I don't think he was even in the ring yet because he was ready to get in the ring. Um, you know, as he usually does with the timing of Kazanin Ray. So, uh, I, I, I would be, I would, you know, I'm sure there's... I'm just pulling up the fight to see exactly what he did so I can tell you, but please continue. But I, I, I just don't know how you... I mean, I guess, I guess, especially when combined with a short match length, I'm assuming they would push for time. Um, I can't imagine any logical decision, especially after the response he got all out, where they wouldn't let his... Um, entrance play out if they had the time I'm assuming they just must have been pushed for time but um, yeah I just saw it it was a thumbs down he he, he comes round one of the sides so where the camera's facing the entrance yeah because he um, wasn't in the ring yet because he's no. waiting for Casanina Ray to get he, in the ring he's walking around the side and it cuts to Moxes and like, he, he comes around that corner and he shakes it and goes like this thumbs so down. He's, yeah. he's disappointed with that obviously but you know at the end of the day he, he's used to um, you know, pay-per-views and kind of he, he's he's allowed the time kind of thing. Whereas this is you know American television and they're very strict on you know their times and. I but mean, the, you know, you know the insulting thing is Mox took so long getting to the fucking yeah, ring as well. Yeah, like and, he, and walked, he walked one gave, way. They gave him that proper long exit, didn't they? They showed him with the crowd and stuff. Yeah. Like they could have, they could have cut out. I mean, I, I get it; it's the same town crowd. But they could have. There was a bit where he was walking out, and he walked in one direction, and then backtracked all the way. So like, and it took. It must have taken at least like thirty seconds. So they could have just tacked that onto Suzuki's entrance, and they could have just told John like, just be direct on your way to the ring. Um, like take your time with it, but don't. You know. Do you want the time now, Tom? I'm going to give you a quick five ten seconds to to sing it loud and sing it proud. Well, it's, not, it's gonna sound weird if it's just just me. just do it, just do it. Cause ain't in a way. There you go, there you go. Yeah, just sad. That it wasn't <laughs> on the show. Yeah, I should I when I when I do the post production um editing stuff, I might get the song and just as it goes to say, cut it at that and just leave yours in. <laughs> <laughs> just the just the sad cousin in a ray. On the uh, <laughs> yeah, add that onto the end of the episode, like uh, instead of an outtake. <laughs> so um, yeah, pretty physical. I say pretty physical because it started off with a nice strike fest, and then there was a bit of a slap fest in the middle, and they bit each other at times. Um, there were some <sighs> there were some spots that didn't look as stiff as I'm used to from Inori Suzuki. Like there was the headbutt spot where they very clearly like barely touched each other. Um, if if at all, um, and just a lot of the shots look very um, held back. They didn't like I said. It's it, he's probably told to wrestle a bit softer and not so stiff. But I mean, it can't have been that soft. Um, it, there must have been some stiffness to it because Suzuki's eye got fucked up during the match. That was a lot of blood. It was yeah. There, there was there was actually a fair bit of blood in this match. I think for both. Well, I wasn't sure if that was a blade job though because that came after the paradigm shift. That's true. Actually, which you wouldn't you wouldn't expect it to bust them open the hard way. No, no, I get, I get what you mean. But no, that, but, uh, yeah. yeah. Go on. Sorry, you like this match, didn't you? Sorry, yeah, no, I, I did quite like it. Um, you know, it, it was it as hyped up as it was it as good as it was hyped up. Oh, just dropped my headphone out there. Um, was it as hyped up as as good as, as, good as, as it was hyped, hyped up? up to be. Um, no, um, 
and it's a shame because this is the second time they faced each other but I hope they get another chance to do this I don't know where or when hopefully on New Japan where they have a bit more time um, because I mean I, I know they've already had that match last year for the IWGP US title but um, but it's just cool we like we like Suzuki he's a he's a, he's a hardcore wrestler um, it uh, one issue for me was that it seemed to end as soon as it started to get as violent as I hoped it would be like Suzuki's you know pissing blood and then um, Mox hits him with a paradigm shift and then like a lariat and Suzuki kicks out one following a paradigm shift I mean I don't know if the lariat was put in between them to somehow protect the paradigm shift but it to me it looked out like he kicked out one of a paradigm shift and I think for all intents and purposes he did so I was like fucking hell that was pretty badass and you know then he's trying to put the sleeper on um, the rear naked choke should I say and um you know, he tried to hit the, the Gotch-style power driver. And, yeah, and, and there was a bit where John was trying to take him off his feet and he just wouldn't go down. And that will happen in the span of, like, 45 seconds to a minute towards the end. Uh, and then, you know, John hits the second paradigm shift after slipping out of the submission attempt, and it's over. Uh, and you knew he wasn't kicking out of that, else it would just completely shit on the paradigm shift as a move after he'd already kicked out of one. But... I did think there was a slight chance just because he'd kicked out the previous one at one that he might kick out this at two, but I did think if he does that, it's absolutely going to bury the paradigm shift. But, like I said, it, it it's one of those ones where it finished as it seemed just to be starting to find its feet, um, and that was disappointing to me. Yeah, and it was, it was purely a time thing. Um, but, I mean, if you take... You've got to weigh, weigh up, you know, the, the good and the bad, and I think maybe this was maybe like a six, six, maybe six and a half out of ten... Yeah, I, I think I think it was all right, and um, I don't I don't think there was many great matches tonight. I think the main highlight was on the the storyline and the promos and stuff, and they did that really well. But the the actual fight, the fight in itself, and the wrestling just wasn't too great. But I think, which is a shame because it's the fallout from all out, and there'd be a lot of new eyes on the product. Fallout from all out, indeed. Um, they, well, they did this with the fallout from Rampage. But I mean, to be fair, this was better than that show. That match was that show was absolutely shit. The Dynamite after. Um, possibly the worst dynamite they've ever done the dynamite or was that the week after i don't know they had a couple of shit dynamites in a row but um they put on a really like luster dynamite after cm punk debuted um on rampage so i know they've got a habit of doing this after when they have new eyes on the product well on cage match it's got a 6.69 the show overall um so that's not as bad as the last one which got like a three or a four no, the other one I yeah. like i said it was better than that just wasn't wasn't amazing yeah, but the last couple, um, let me just get them up. The last couple of Dynamites, we'll just do a quick kind of, have a quick little look and see how they've been faring amongst each other. Um, so, yeah, so 6.68 um, for this Dynamite. Um, the one before that um, actually got a 7.06, um, which was the one that had Inner Circle FTR, um, Orange Cassidy, Jack Evans, Take On T, Penelope Ford, um, and the Elite against Jurassic Express and Lucha Brothers. Um, yeah, that was pretty Yeah, that so that, right. that was that was all right. Um, so obviously this one a bit bit lower than um, last last week. Uh, the week before that was a 4.64, which must have been the one that we said was probably... That'd be the one I yeah, was talking about. It was terrible. Uh, the one that had OC Matt Hardy. Oh, yeah. Um, had Jamie Hayter, Red Velvet, uh, The Gun Club versus The Factory, and Malachi oh. Black, Brock Anderson. Yeah, that wasn't great. But at the end of the day, like, you know, 
They, they nine times out of ten uh, between six and seven for dynamites and rampages, which, which is, is fair for a weekly show. Definitely. If you go back, if you go back and look at rankings, even for WCW and its prime, which people loved and people still talk about fondly, they're mostly between six and seven because you get a mixed bag with weekly shows. It's very hard to put on a weekly show. We don't give them enough credit for, as a podcast that um, focuses on the weekly show primarily. It's you know it's it's tough work trying to time you know budget the time and trying to get everyone exposure and getting everyone exposure means that you've only you know if you when you've only got a few top stars at any one time it means you're gonna have you have to build stars do you know what I mean so you have to put on stuff that initially will be like oh, I don't really care and about I hate this. to constantly compare it to WWE but I'm just looking now and the last three WWEs uh, specifically Raw five point five four. Uh, 6.05 and then a 5.54 and then the week before that 3.79 so I was going to say the ones you would give you were reeling off at the end the beginning there were higher than I've been expe- I, I've come 3.79 was that one which is their lowest they've done and that was back in 16th August they don't seem to do too bad uh, NXT I thought I thought I thought Raw regularly got like below 4 but uh, maybe the older, I maybe the older they, ones. Yeah, I think they picked up a bit. Like more the one now. where the one where the one where Shayna Baszler um, cut a promo on a puppet, I think got like oh, gee, yeah, got really low. NXT drags the score up for them for sure, and you know SmackDown does all right. Raw's there just oh, that I, might be finishing soon though. What the NXT? Yeah, well, did good did good scores, um, but yeah, but no, that that's. Um, yeah, so not a bad show overall. Um, you know, not quite as good as last week, but better than the worst dynamite of all time in Tom's words. I mean, yeah. I mean, they haven't been around that long, so calling it the worst dynamite of all time sounds worse than it is, but it was pretty bad. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, it's a good time at the end of the show to get your match of the night. Never really have to ask you, but just reiterate it for the fans. Uh, Suzuki versus Moxley was mine. Yeah. Mine was the Pinnacle versus the Dark Order. So I guess we have a tie. Why don't you let us know? If you if you messages, you can decide to match of the week and we'll announce it next time. Just somebody slide in our DMs. We're so lonely. The puppy's gonna get it, I swear. The only person that's ever slid slid in our DMs is probably Liam or that male grooming sponsor. Yeah, we should take them up on that. I think we should. It was it was there was like balls in the name, it was like like fresh balls or I don't know <laughs> fresh balls <laughs> fresh balls sponsors weekly Spon- AEW's new kick don't you hate it how do we segue it you know you know, every podcast has a good segue to their sponsor don't you hate it when when you look at the good brothers and think damn that's a clean shave <laughs> well your balls can look just like the good brothers heads with with freshballs.com <laughs> see if anyone wants to sponsor us that's the potential we've got yeah that is that's uh potential. Do, do your balls look as hairy as griff garrison <laughs> <laughs> or jungle boy any of the long hair wrestlers it's, it's literally the same guy um <laughs> i like, I like yeah. they did that being elite didn't they when he got they someone did. trying to like say it was jungle boy <laughs> i think that was dark order when they were doing the recruitment specialist and they were like like we got we got jungle boy we got jungle boy he's gonna join dark order and i think that was when brody was around and they turned him around it was griff garrison it's like it's like who the fuck, fuck is, is griff guy <laughs> who, who the, the fuck, fuck is, is griff garrison, garrison? <laughs> all right um as i always say that leaves actually no as i always do I jumped the gun trying to get to my my segment my segment with the with the custom jingle but we've got a couple of other things to do first um 
cut cut this uh, I need to do a sound test because I booted this up while we were already can you hear the screen <laughs> cool first off I am going to give my screamer of the week so the worst thing about this episode of Dynamite funnily enough after all the shit I've given the matches they weren't bad matches they were just average matches that's the thing that's the high bar that AEW set so I'm not going to give this to any of the matches or indeed any moments from any matches I am probably off the top of my head going to give this to uh, Dan Lambert's appearance which was a big old nothing for me that shocked do be- me. Do better, Dan. I-, I thought you were going to say the fact there was no play-by-play guy might have been the shock of the week. Or the no Kazanian array. That's probably yeah. should have been my play-by-play. Fuck it, it's done now. Um, <laughs> Jack, you have the duty of giving us next week's cut. Co- well, no, Rampage's Rampage card, sorry. We, we've, already, we've probably pretty much covered all of them on this, on this thing already, but just do the old reiteration, please. On AEW Rampage, airing this Friday night on the 10th of September 2021, we have a singles match between Pac and Andrade El Idolo with Chavo Guerrero Jr. on Andrade's corner. Um, in Andrade's corner. Andrade's Dra- corner. In, that, that wrestler Andrade, I love him. <laughs> we have a six-man tag team match, or shall I say six-woman tag team match. Dr. Britt Baker, D.M. D, sorry, I had to do the finger. Jamie Hayter and Rebel Not Reba versus Chris Datland, Riho and Ruby Soho. And we have a six singles match between Max Caster and Cincinnati, Ohio resident um, and Brian Pillman Sr. Seaman. Brian Pillman. Brian Pillman. <laughs> Brian Pillman Sr. Seaman. <laughs> <laughs> Brian Pillman Jr. <laughs> uh, which match are you looking forward to the most? It's got to be Pac Andrade. I uh, I really wanted to give it to the woman, but when I look at that and I'm like, Pac Andrade, it's just going to be class. Do you, do you mean Ack versus Andrade? <laughs> <laughs> I hear, I, you know, I hear Andrade's uh, married to Urlet. 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 Urlet Slayer. Urlet Slayer. Urlet Slayer. Sounds like a D&D location. <laughs> they're, they're heading into the Urlet Slayer, the dreaded Urlet. <laughs> what about you? Uh, um... Yeah, it's got to be the same one. I am quite looking forward to that women's match as yeah, well. Yeah, I am. Funnily enough, the main event is the one I couldn't really give a shit about. <laughs> Although I do think it'll be good because Max Caster's good and Brian Pillman Jr. is one of the standouts, you know, and one of our rising. So I don't think that'll be a bad rampage. I think that'll be a very good rampage. They're always good rampages. We love you, rampage. <laughs> I tell you what, we've done it out of order. But are you gonna be are you gonna be able to do record rampage for me? This is something we should probably discuss off air. But fuck it, we're not um, very professional. Well, no, because it's my birthday weekend. So Friday True I'm out with Gina. Saturday I'm on the piss, and Sunday I'm out with. So Cena's Cena's Patrick's still away, and I might not have anyone to record with. I might end up doing that solo. Ruby, 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 oh. Soho, solo. Um, I, that I means think, I think you should do it with two people, but it be yourself both times. to <laughs> so just put accents on. <laughs> Challenge accepted. <laughs> Um, no, well, what I was going to say was, seeing as uh, there may be no one to give the uh, heel moment of the week on Rampage, why don't you give us your heel moment of the week now for... Uh... Oh, crikey. Okay. I, I'm i going to give my heel moment of the week to MJF saying he's going to knock Auntie, um, <laughs> whatever her name is, teeth down her throat. I think that was pretty heelish. Linda. Linda. Yeah. Aunt Linda's teeth. God damn it. 
God damn it could also probably be applied to him calling Brad Pullman Jr.'s oh, mother Methany and, as well. And if we're, going, if we're going to give it to joint titles, um, Adam Cole for um, pretty much threatening to kill Tony Schiavone. I think that was them. God damn it. God damn it to you both. I don't get to do this regularly. I get two picks. It's fine. <laughs> it's fine. Um, yeah, that just leaves us with one more order of business. GC Dubs, GC Dubs. You watched GCW with me, didn't you? I did, I did weekend. indeed. Um, yeah, we we watched the whole of War Games. Uh, well, no, we, I think we might have skipped. We, we skipped, skipped part of it. one match, which really triggered you. Uh, really did. Uh, but no, and we watched, I think, two matches of free cup stuff because the stream only had 45 yeah. minutes or something. Shush, we watch it legally. In fact, <laughs> no, I, we would have watched it legally, but um, the, the feedback on for on-demand uh, events the playback on on-demand events on the web browser of fight has been really fucky so um sort it out fight you are losing viewers and losing money for the amazing gcw speaking of the amazing gcw um i mean there are a few ones to talk about but i think we'll just condense it down to two the first being the um i can't remember what it's called like the face fuck ladder match or oh, something God, yeah. this made us laugh didn't it um yeah, that that ladder match was a two ring. These were both uh, obviously both uh, um, Art of War games uh, and not uh, three cup stuff because they utilised both the rings and the ladder match. Again, more of Shane Mercy eating people into the crowd. Just an all round mental match, wasn't it? I tell you what, we said we were only going to talk about two matches, but I think it was on Three Cup Stuffed. They had that match with uh, Mike Jackson, the 77-year-old, 72, 73. That guy yeah. can go, right? That guy can go. If I He, he hit a fucking Tope Suicida. He's like... <laughs> I, I want to be like that when I'm 72. Like, we were talking about high work rates and, you know, abilities during Dynamite with Dustin Rhodes and, and uh, Minoru Suzuki, but fuck, that guy's got, like... That guy's got, like, two decades on those two. <laughs> it's insane. Yeah, but it, honestly, it, GCW amazes me. Um, and if you don't already watch it, watch it, because it's some incredible entertainment. Uh-huh. But you always see sure. something new, don't you? That's the thing. You do. You do. I, I said to you when we were watching it, they're so creative. Like, they, they like you said, it's always something new. Um always a new move or a new even the gimmicks and stuff are just awesome and I've never seen a 72 year old wrestle um, maybe, well I, I think I, I think I have I think I've seen some old Japanese legends wrestle but never that good like no, that, that, was, was that was very impressive I mean it wasn't a multi-man match to be fair well and one woman but um, it was still you know impressive even, even under those circumstances um, what about though I mean, we talked a little bit about the ladder match. Not much more to say. I did think it was a bit disjointed at times, but it was fun. But let's talk about war, the War Games match. We, it's your second War Games match. How did it measure up to your first one, which was Blood and Guts? Not as brutal as I thought it was going to be. Um, no. no. I mean, you say that, but the, they did get the bamboo... Bamboo? bamboo? Yeah, bamboo yeah that, that, was, that, was, that was probably the, the most brutal it got. It was, that was quite good. Um, I think my first one probably spoiled me because I thought the the production and you know television kind of element to blood and guts at yeah aw was a bit better but nonetheless I, I was impressed and it was yeah some brutal spots um for sure no it was cool it it was good it was definitely worth you know checking out and if you've not seen it so far go and check it out using our fight affiliate link i wish we were <laughs> affiliated with fight <laughs> um there was I remember there was a couple it was it was a mess at times like there was a botched pile driver through a pane of glass but 
That said, there was an attempt at a pile drive through a pane of glass. Yeah. Like, you can't really... That, that was the one where he went with his feet first, didn't he? Yeah, I think yeah. it was at Atkus Kogo. It was someone on 330 was hitting a, hitting a pile driver. They still went through the table or the door or whatever. Yeah, um, But obviously, the, the big spot of the night was, um, was a Spanish fly. Uh, well... Firstly, I can't remember who took... I think it was Ad Koskoga took the Spanish fly off the scaffolding and then they threw Ricky Shane Page off the scaffolding as well. Um, and obviously, Team MDK won in the end. Oh, and fucking day. Oh, fucking day. Putting to bed, once and for all, potentially, the feud with Ricky Shane Page and 3-3... Uh, 3-3-0? 4-4-0, sorry. Um, they, they beat him so bad they lost a number. They are now 3 3 <laughs> Um, oh, I'll miss that though well I won't miss it because I'll still get to hear it but they've got Bring the Horizon entrance music da, 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 yeah. Da, da. Um, just yeah banger well this is the thing they said that Ricky Shane Page was off to JCW Jersey City was it JPW I don't know Jersey Wrestling or whatever like their their sister brand GCWs but like he's been back so it's like is that not working out they like they were trying to attract people to it by saying Ricky Shane Page would be exclusive there I see he's been on Dark a lot has he but yeah, um, RSP. You know, you watch that stuff, or is it Dark Elevation? I've not watched He's, it for a while. I see, I see his name come up on the ticker at the bottom quite a few times, I'm including during this dynamite. But yeah, we got to get on to the next one, uh, which was um, the big, the big one, which was uh, Matt Cardona coming out to defend his championship against a mystery opponent. And who was it? Give me a drum roll, Jack. Frank the Clown I popped so hard popped so hard um, <laughs> yeah Noel Foley's uh, idiot boyfriend or I can't remember if they're married or anything <laughs> fiance um, annoying super fan Frank the Clown um, excuse was, me was, dis- was dispatched <laughs> in uh, record time by Matt Cardona and that was the end of the night nothing more interesting happened after that psych you were psyched uh, we were all psyched um, I wasn't because I, I saw the card beforehand and knew who the extra opponent was but G Raver came out with his minions in their black robes in their capes um, seemingly looking like the savage G Raver was going to be challenging Matt Cardona which would would be a big thing in itself because he is quite over with the fans but no he just walked into the ring with his druids um, they surrounded uh, Matt Cardona Matt Cardona was ready for a fight and then uh, G-Ray returned his back and left and so did all his druids bar one one of them stayed and then he started moving a certain way and then he uh, you know started behaving a certain way and people were like oh I think I know who this is and you heard the crowd building took off his hood and it was Gian Moxley Gian has a very quick match with Matt Cardona where he hits him with the Paradigm Shift or the Death Rider. I'm not sure what it's called in GCW. Um, but, I mean, long story short, new GCW world champion, John Moxley. Hey! Wow. We love to see it. And, uh, yeah, came out the next night on All Out with his GCW hoodie on. So, not, not with the belt because, you know, they don't kind of... They have a weird thing of Matt not acknowledging GCW. It's so strange on... Um, like, like I've said this before, but they went through the Instagram uh, 
the Instagram account Wrestling with Unicorns, which posts like indie clips, and I swear they even had GCW clips on there for Nick Gage's entrance uh, entrance thing. But I think they did it in such a way where they didn't have to credit GCW, and it credited Wrestling with Unicorns instead. So bizarre, like rather than just getting footage with GCW, that there's got to be a story there. I just don't know what it is. But again, it's weird because Jerry Janela's the link, so it's like you'd think they'd have exactly. a good relationship, but. They've never once mentioned GCW by name, and um, and John Moxley came out obviously not with the GCW title. He obviously got a uh, a hoodie past him, but just I don't know whether it's like a sponsorship thing with Tony not wanting to be linked to a deathmatch promotion, but um, but then why get engaged? <laughs> the yeah, pizza cuts. What I really deathmatch. Yeah, your, on your show. I know. I mean, I guess they might think that GCW just takes it next level, which they do, to be fair. They've had stabbings. But, um, well, slashings. <laughs> Ali Catch uh, slashed um, Matthew Justice's stomach open at a live show. What fun. That was but, one time. <laughs> Dude, two times that happened. Um, <laughs> no. But, yeah, uh, overall a good weekend, all that weekend. And I'm, I'm excited for it to become more of a, more of a common thing. People following all out maybe more than um, how they used to follow Wrestlemania around for Wrestlemania weekend it'd be cool to see everyone kind of descend on Chicago and having it all in this, all, all in one place every time also means it can become like this wrestling mecca do you know what I mean and they could have those connections to those venues already kind of sorted you know yeah. so um, I'm, I'm looking forward to more of that kind of thing so that is the end of our show just about done it we have survived we had so much to talk about what with All Out and quickly though um, because you said we would mention less important shows Kevin Steen true true that we, I mean we only briefly touched on it because it's not cemented anything you know what I mean but yeah do you want to take the take the reins Kevin Owens slash Steen um, his his contract is set to expire in January they Funnily enough, they kind of shot themselves in the foot here because apparently they voluntarily short like, WWE themselves shortened his contract. Yeah, like it was set yeah. to expire because he said he said he was on a five year deal a few like not five years ago anyway um, in an interview and then WWE shortened his contract somehow. I think it was during the pandemic layoffs for budget reasons, I guess. Um, but uh, it's kind of coming back to bite them in the ass, shortening his contract because he's not renewed yet um, and. Uh, and we've seen what happened with that with Adam Cole, baby. So, this is the thing. I never thought... I didn't think Kevin Owens was ever going to leave because I know his son, um, his son Owen, is a massive WWE fan. He was a big John Cena fan. He kind of, like, they had that video of him marking out when his dad came out to confront John Cena. He's going to fight Cena? And, like, I, you know, I know Kevin lived for that shit. So, it's like... But, you know... AEW's taken off. Maybe his son's really big on AEW now, and he's, you know. And also, you know, the the alliance, well, the the past he's had with the Bucks and you know, um, and Adam Cole. But also, I wanted to point out because I'm not too sure you would have seen it because you're not on Twitter. Kevin Owens on his Twitter profile on his home, you know, his page, um, puts a location. So like, I seen this, but yeah. I'll let you describe it. To um, so again, I'll show you. So you got the confirmation, but on his location for where he is, you know, like I'd put Birmingham, Tom would put Isle of Wight. His purely says, almost there. Almost Wait, have there. You not, have, you, have you not seen the other one? What other one? Go to the Young Bucks one really quick. Oh, I won't, no, I saw, well, actually, quickly, I saw a couple things. I, well, the Young Bucks one I have just seen, but I've not 
Um, wait, we'll talk about that in a second because the other thing whilst it's on my mind. Catch your thoughts, Jack. Take a breath. <laughs> I think, was it Kevin Owens tweeted or put on his Instagram story some coordinates? Coordinates. Which... And it's for Mount Rushmore, which was the name of his short stable uh, with him, the Bucks, and Adam Cole. Yep. Also, though, you saying, have you not seen the Bucks um, bio? It's now changed to just Nick's nose to ear chain. No, not, so, their, not, the, not their bio, their location, mate. Oh, your head rent-free. Oh, they've changed it. They've changed it. What so, was it? So what? tell me what Kevin Owens said again. Uh, his said, almost there. The Bucks said, there, when they're, <laughs> at the same time. Nice, nice. <laughs> So, so no, but that's very exciting. Like, let's not get too ahead of ourselves because you no, know, but like I said, I do think it would take his speculation. Um, I do think it was dependent on like how into WWE his son still is and stuff like that. I do, you know, I I think there's every chance he'll be watching AEW now. So it's like I can see him. I can see him coming. I can see it. Like, and I've said there's only like I mean, if they sign say, sign Bray Wyatt, I'll, I'll be cool with that. Like, I could take it Wyndham. Wyndham we've been here before Wilson <laughs> Wilson um, I could take him or leave him Bray Wyatt Wyndham, that famous character in Star Wars <laughs> <laughs> but I, no I think I think Bray Wyatt would fit just about but after that it's like okay stop now except and I have two and that would be um, Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn they're the two left for El me. Generico <laughs> Kevin Steen and El Generico and just imagine that uh, that Kevin Owens' music hitting on um, hitting on uh, AEW it would be it'd be pretty fucking crazy so that's uh, that's the end of our show Jack been lovely to have you it's been lovely being here um, I think it's, it's been... nice it's nice you Mike you got who got you that oh it's, it's lovely it was a birthday present from my um, my great brother Oh, I'd love to meet that guy. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure sure you would. He sounds um, sexy. It is a nice microphone. Bit of sensitive, but you know, it's it's all good. It's all good. Well, okay. <laughs> I was going to make a dick joke, but I couldn't work it in about you saying bit sensitive. Anyway. Anyway, I can't wait to do random number generator wrestling match again. That's never week. happening again. <laughs> That's never happening again. But it's, it's been a roaring success. <laughs> Okay. Would you not uh, want to see that match? I think your thing should be trying to come up with a new segment every time. <laughs> I'm like, um, I think, on, I think on that one's. I think we got to. I think we got to scrap that one. But Nate Altencast does countdown when Joe yeah. Wilson comes each week with a new thing. Is that mine? <laughs> that is you. That is you. You are the Joe Wilkinson of this podcast. Um, I don't know how to sign off again. I've, it's been too long. We've been off for two weeks, and I, I couldn't do it work very well in the first place. I've noticed. I've kind of like started doing a cross between Jerry Springer and the Truman Show <laughs> like Jerry Springer he says take care of yourselves and each other and then the Truman Show he's uh, Jim Carrey's character is always saying good what does he say he says good morning and if I don't see you good afternoon good evening and good night and so I've started doing that <laughs> I've started doing like a mashup and then saying take care of yourselves and Why don't good you afternoon do the evening. story time of Adam Cole baby what do you mean? How am I going to work that into a sign? I don't know. I just, I just thought it was really cool. Ignore me. What do you want to do as a sign off, Tom? I just want to go. If that's all right. I say, need a